Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Poolside Perspectives Podcast. I am Kevin Woodhurst, and with me is my good friend, Mike Farley, and we're so glad you found this podcast. Together, we have been homeowner advocates in outdoor living and the pool industry for over 30 years. So we understand the challenges you face creating your backyard paradise. We know your curiosity is not enough to ensure your success. So on this podcast, we're going to talk about the design process and practical steps to help you create that space. We'll have some fun mixed in with it, some aha moments, and this is no fluff. No one has time for that. So we're going to get serious and get very particular about all of these topics. Whether you are a new homeowner with your first remodel or a seasoned homeowner competing your last dream home, we are here to help you end up with what you dreamed of. From pools to patios, pizza ovens to pergolas, porcelain to pumps, pool party to permits, ping pong tables to the processes to your paradise. This is straight talk and action steps. Let's get started. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, Mike. It's going to be interesting. We want to give you a brief recap of what's going to happen today. We're going to talk about things that are focal points and things that create beauty and the wow features of your project. So these are all the things that you add to the project that make it unique and different and make it you. That's a whole long list of fun things we're going to do. Yes, it is. So let's talk about beautiful stuff around swimming pools. Yes, and there's just so many things. And as time has gone by, there's just more and more. And we're seeing so many projects with everything. I actually, this morning, scrolling on Facebook, saw a massive home in Dallas that actually has a real water park built into the backyard with the colored slides. People are getting really serious now. Is that the one in Plano? It didn't say where it was at. It just said, look at this monster with a theme water park in the backyard. There's one in Plano that has multiple slides. Yeah, it does. And it is like a water park, Lazy River, the whole nine yards. So this is what we're talking about today is we're talking about all the cool features that you can put on a pool. And there's a lot of them. What's your favorite feature to start with? I have favorite features based on the style of the pool. To me, there's certain features that go with certain styles of pools. And I don't know, my favorite pool right now, probably, I love the look of a perimeter overflow pool. I like simple, but I also like stuff that's got everything going on. And fire features are a big deal. The stuff that's going on with lighting right now is going to change, I believe, design trends as we move forward, because now there's just so much more lighting available and we just get stimulated by lighting. Okay. So let's start with lighting. With a typical swimming pool, what do you see versus what was done in the past? Well, in the past, there was uh, typically a large incandescent light put in a pool, a single light. It was a white light. Uh, We transitioned there to uh, colored lights, and they were LED lights. And then we went to the smaller lights, and now we've got the strip lighting. We've got colored lighting. We can actually light a pool in such a way now that the lights will change with music. It just goes on and on. So there was some lights that I used in the early 90s that had the perimeter lights on the fiber optic lights. Yes, Is this what optic, you're talking about? Fiber optic lights would be another one. I did a pool in Phoenix that had fiber optic perimeter lighting, and then there's 3,000 fiber stars in the floor for a starry night effect. Awesome. Yeah, that was all fiber optic, and that's 20 years ago. I found that most fiber optic was oversold and underdelivered, mm-hmm. and so a lot of people got a bad feeling about that. This was before the LED light. I just don't think that the reliability was there. 
Granted, with any type of construction, you can certainly have uh, miscues on installation. But I don't know that the fiber optic was really that great. But that's not really fair because we're comparing it to what we have now, which is entirely different, which is heads and tails above that. And that's the beauty of any industry is that as it transitions, as it gets better, as it morphs, as it technology changes, everything changes. So one of the things that I have people, and this is how I start my conversation with people on lighting. I'm like, there's some people that put Christmas lights on their house. And they have an outline of just the eaves of the house and maybe a few accent things. And then there's the neighbor down the street that has all kinds of lights and there's stuff in the yard and there's stuff on the bushes. And yes, it goes to the music of the Christmas carol that's playing at the time. And I'm like, which camp are you in? Right. Because people say, I want cool lighting, but what does that mean? And some of them, it's just simply that I want to light up the pool with LED lights and versus the old Cyclops white light under the diving board Cyclops type thing. This the one eye. You, d- you definitely didn't want it pointing back at the living room window because right. it was a bunch of glare. So, well, that's another thing, just the positioning of lighting. Yeah. Anyway, sorry for interrupting you. No, it's all important to discuss, but... So coming in with LED lights and a a swimming pool, even within this year, it used to be there was like, you got eight different lights to choose from. But I think almost every manufacturer has come out with their new lighting programs and there's a lot more than eight now. So you can pick your hue of white that you want a cool one, you want a warm one, you can pick those. So you can pick a lot more variety. The big thing that it helps me to understand with a client is how do you want to control this light? When I have all the lights on at Christmas, I want to make the spa red and the pool green. Is that something you're interested in or do you want to be everything the same color? Great question. And both can be done very easily. It's just you have to set them up different. You have to have a transformer to control them independently. So just understanding what you might want and you may want to think about, do I want different options for the landscape lighting, for the pool lighting, for the spa lighting, or, or other features that you're considering that are separate, or are they all going to be, when you push a button, they're all the same color? So most of my clients say one color is great, but then other people are like, the other th- situation that you have to understand, which is different from your old pool lights, when I turned the pool light on, it came on, and then I had a different control for the spa light. So today, if I turn the lights on, all the lights are on. I can't separate the pool and the spa. That's if you don't have a separate transformer. Correct. If you don't have a separate transformer. And I do have clients that are like, I would like the pool lights on and the spa light off or vice versa. I want the spa light on and the pool lights off. Now, one thing that's very spectacular that a lot of times people don't think about is if you turn the lights off on the pool at night and you have accent lighting on the house and the landscaping and all that, the pool water becomes a mirror. Yes, and it's pretty spectacular. It's one of my favorite things. It's stunning looking. And and people all the time are like, I didn't even realize that was a thing because every time I go outside, I've always had the pool lights on. Mm-hmm. I tell clients, you may want the spa light on so you can get out there and see the spa and what's going on in that space. 
But then you may want to turn the rest of them off so you can enjoy everything else and the stars and things like that. And then I've got other clients that are like, actually, I want the pool all lit up, but I don't want my neighbors to see what I'm doing in the spa. Sure. And so I, I definitely want the spa light off. Uh, especially here in Texas when some of these places don't really have a whole lot of privacy. So for sure. that's something also that you may want to consider. It's what you said earlier. It just comes down to the transformer that you're controlling it by, whether you have a single transformer and they're all together or there's multiple transformers and you can control them independently. But it comes down to the dialogue. It comes down to the questioning and that's the difference. So you just want to make sure that you understand what you want and the designer makes those questions relevant to you. My question to them is a little bit different. Okay. I'm asking them, I love the analogy of the Christmas lights, especially since I drove by a Halloween, a house decorated with Halloween items this weekend. That was absolutely crazy. There must have been 40 blowups in the yard. Awesome. Great job, people. But these are the type of people that, hey, they want everybody to see everything. And my question is, do you like it subtle or do you want to track the aliens? I like the understated feature versus the, gee, let's see it from orbiting the earth. Or from another galaxy. Oh, they got a pool. Lighting is cool, though. I have just been fascinated this year, and I will tell you, and I'll plug Pal Lighting simply because the stuff that they have and the stuff that they're doing is just really cool. I think a lot of people are on social media, not everybody, but you're just seeing some of the designs and some of the projects that are being produced and pushed out by some of the great designers in the industry with this lighting, and it's just spectacular. Yeah, if you want to follow somebody, if you follow Ryan Hughes, Oh yeah, right. Uh, in, in Florida, he's done some amazing things with Pal Lighting, but there's also several designers in California mm -hmm. that are really doing some amazing things as well. Again, if you're talking to your designer, if you have a picture of something when you say this is cool lighting, that would help them understand what your discussion is by just looking at things. Now, understand some of those cool features aren't like a $500 to $1000 upgrade. They're sometimes tens of thousands of dollars to do that. But the one thing that lighting does that I don't think people think about that much in a project is most people are going to view your project at night. You're not going to view it during the daytime. That's the general consensus because a lot of us have to go work during the day. So we're not home at night to enjoy it. We're not home during the day to enjoy it. So we're our home in the evenings. Plus we entertain generally in the evenings. So there's really cool things. The other thing lighting can do is they can make bad things disappear and they can accent things that are really cool. So like I was on a photo shoot Saturday night and the houses around during the daytime detracted from the overall setting. But then at night I came in and we did some highlights on a tree there and there was also some existing lighting. And so the night shots are spectacular because you lose all the bad stuff that's around, but you get to focus on the really cool stuff. And so what you want to try to do is set that up so you enjoy it all the time. Absolutely. And a lot of the stuff that reflects off the pool, even if it doesn't seem sexy, really looks cool. If you're on the backside of the pool and the house is reflected on the ground because oh, yeah. you've got the lights on, it's a really cool look. Yes. There's just all kinds of things that you can do. So in outdoor living projects, the lighting, I think, is really key. And sometimes this could be lighting that's for circulation and as simple as lights and steps and lights and planters and lights along walkways so we can navigate outside comfortably and not stumble and fall over something. 
But the other thing that comes into play is the accent lighting that's done in trees and highlights and silhouettes and all those kind of things. There's some people that have really done some amazing things in Arizona that I've watched over the years from a lighting standpoint. It's been spectacular. When you can enjoy the outdoors there almost year round, makes sense. Yeah, there's a a lighting Janet Moyer, I think is her name, mm-hmm. which she's done some really spectacular landscape lighting. Yep. But just those are things that a lot of times when you're doing part of the project, it's not really thought about, but I think is a really awesome detail later on that if you include that in your thought process and the design process, you're going to end up with a much more powerful end result that you're going to look at. Well, and I would suggest that sensors now lighting engineers in the world, and that's all they do, that this is a big thing. And yet something else for your designer to have a full understanding of. And as you said, things have changed this year. Yes. So having a full understanding is something that's, it's a moving target, which is really fun for us because we get to see more things that we can do that we couldn't do with the old fiber optic stuff that we tried some of it. Although that fiber optic starry thing on the floor that's a really cool feature, and that's still the best way to do that from what I understand. I haven't done one in 15 years, so I'm not sure what they're doing now. Yeah, so amazing stuff. I'm sure Brian could answer that question, though. Yes. In fact, I'm pretty certain we could find people to answer just about any question if we can't. Yes, most definitely. We know a few people. Yes, we do. I would say lighting's a really big deal because I firmly believe in designing for the evenings and for nighttime and for entertainment. And having the ability to turn off light separately, I think, is really a good thing. So be asking the questions. Lighting's a big deal. Something that I view that's very close to lighting, but I think it's even cooler than lighting. All right. I can't wait to hear this. This is fire. Yes. Now, some people say that's because I'm a male and guys just like to burn things, which, okay, maybe that's true. But I think that fire is a very dramatic feature in the landscaping And we've mentioned it before because we talked about gathering spaces, I believe, in the last episode, in episode six. But fire is really cool for people to congregate around and just have that. But I think as a visual feature, it's different, but it has a tremendous impact. Sure. And the reason it's different from my perspective is because if you have fire features, chances are to get that look, you're not going to have your lights on. Because the lights are going to detract from the light coming from the fire feature. And I think that watching the flames dancing off of a perimeter overflow pool, a black perimeter overflow pool, just like licking the surface of it, it's kind of neat. The cool thing that I think about it is it's the movement. Yes. That you get with fire. It's not just a static. It's a dance. Light. Yeah, it's a dance. And I didn't realize this was a thing. I found out. My superintendents are always interested to see what weird lighting thing that I do with fire on my projects. And I'm like, I don't do that. And then they started rattling off jobs. And I was like, okay, yeah, I guess I do a lot of it. (laughs) Sure. Bowls have been around for a long time. uh, Years. Doing them longer than that. Okay. I think I tried bowls very early on and cracked a number of bowls. And so that was something that we tried to do. And then people came out with systems that worked much better and materials that didn't crack when we used them with heating and stuff like that. But I guess maybe 
15, 20 years, but in a span of things that's relatively new based on outdoor living and swimming pools. So I've not experienced a cracked wok pot or bowl. So I wonder if it has something to do with the weather here. What we did initially was we took flower pots. Okay. It wasn't designed for something to be used with extreme heat. We were just trying to put fire into some type of feature and those cracked. So the concrete walks. No, no, no. Okay. The concrete walk that you're talking about has been designed to receive fire features gotcha. in yeah. the industry. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we went down to the garden center and oh. got a flower pot because we wanted a certain color flower pot. We didn't know. And we put fire into it and the thing cracked because it couldn't handle the heat that was generated with this thing. Interesting. So the walks that you're talking about are designed to handle the heat that are in those particular vessels. Right. And there's plenty more besides concrete now. We've got hammered bronze. We've got copper. We've got all kinds of composites. There's all kinds of stuff out there anymore. In fact, I have a pool in Phoenix that has three three-foot composite walk pots on them that are all dumping water and flame. And they were composite. And they're now almost 20 years old. Fire and water bowls. That was an interesting setup. Oh. It's far safer now to do it than the way that we were doing it back then. So I had a client a couple of years ago that was like, I just don't like bowls. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to do something rather clean and neat. Usually I put a column and I put the bowl on top of it. And the client was like, just put the fire in it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, just put it in the column. And so we did fire columns on this one particular job, which were really cool. I bet you they were. And actually, it was less cost, too, because we were going to have the columns there anyway. Mm-hmm. We just took the mechanisms and set them inside that. And then with fire, you're going to have some form of media inside of the vessel that can handle the heat. So what's your favorite media? It depends on the pool. I mean, I, I like the glass. I definitely like the black glass and the blue glass. But I also really like the round rock, the polished or the round lava rock, the black stuff. I think it just looks cool, but it would depend on the pool. I don't know that I would have a favorite for a type of pool. And that's where I get a little OCD on stuff is, to me, there's certain things that go with certain things. And I have to be careful because I have to be tactful because not everybody has the same taste. And there's some things that you just think, okay, but at the same time, it is what it is. So we're going to... Go backwards just a second. One other thing, too, that I just want to make sure that we understand. So there's tumbled lava rock, which Mm -hmm. is smooth, not the real jagged lava rock. Mm -hmm. Okay. But then there's also round spheres, what I call cannonballs. Okay. So those are cool from a media standpoint, too. They look really cool in a fireplace. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've done them actually in a fire pit, lining the whole thing. But style... I think we need, your comment is very valid about certain features go with certain styles. And we really haven't talked about styles of pools, but if you're talking about what's beautiful, then some people, it comes down to the style of the vessel that they're putting their water in and all the features that surround that accordingly. But before we jump to that, is there any other things in conjunction with fire that we should probably talk about? I think when it comes down to fire, you want to, there's a couple different ways to get these things lit. One is the manual, one is the electronic. And we talked about this uh, one other time before, but what type is this going to be? And this is where, again, you're getting these estimates. You called out three, four, five, 10, 15 
salespeople companies to come out and you're getting all these estimates and what's included? How can you tell? I mean, this weekend I had somebody send me two estimates from two different companies, wanting to know what I thought of them. Each estimate, one's handwritten and has 10 or 12 items on it, over $100,000. The other one, one is typed and it's two pages. It has a little two. more information, but I'm looking at this and fascinated that anyone can make a decision based off that information. So how long is your typical typewritten specifications? Anywhere from 10 to 20 pages. When someone has a proposal, oh boy, this is another rabbit hole to go down. So oh boy, here we go. If you have a proposal that's one page, there's no way in the world you can understand or you're going to understand what they're going to provide and they can understand what you're expecting to get from one page. That's a lawsuit waiting to happen. No way. There's no way you can. Yeah. So if you sign that document, what you signed is please change order me to death as we go through this process because neither one of us understands what the other is going to do or expect. Right. And I think that's one of the differences that you will find and how you can potentially tell the difference, in my opinion, between a salesperson and a designer. The salesperson is going to start closing you almost immediately. The designer is going to work with you from start to finish to ensure that you're making an educated and informed decision. And that's going to take some time. So you're either going to choose to invest some time into this process or you're going to choose just to have somebody take an order from you. Oh, you're investing money too mm -hmm. because you're going to lose a lot of money later on if you don't understand at the beginning what you're Absolutely. getting. Anyway, sorry to jump down that rabbit hole. But again, I think we'll talk about this some more with the designer and how to hire someone on, on that aspect in episode nine upcoming. I think where you were going, is it a manual or is it automatic ignition? Well, and just what's the difference? Because what I've seen on these estimates is it'll say a fire feature is included, but what's included? Yeah. Is the media included? Is it electronic ignition? Is it manual ignition? There's just questions. And this is just one little thing on a pool that has thousands of moving parts to get the information on and to understand. What I've explained with customers, if this is not in writing, you're not getting it. That's a great one. Okay. For your sake and their sake, you want things in writing. So everybody understands of the thousands of choices that can be made, what was the choice that was made here? And that way everybody's on the same page because I can guarantee if it says there's a fire feature and it does not mention if it's manual or automatic, it's, it's manual, manual. <laughs> without a doubt. <laughs> and the cost difference is substantial between those two things. I had a client a couple of years ago was like, those features my neighbor has, I think they're really cool because all of a sudden they'll come on at night and he doesn't even have to go out there and do it. And I can see it for my house that he turns these features on and off. And so let's go ahead and switch mine to that. And I said, we talked about that initially and you chose not to do it. And we're at the point that we can't because we have to run a gas line Okay, and an electric line to your flower pots that you now want to make fire features. And we don't have the capability to do that at this point in time. There's a lot that has to be done to make this happen. It's not just all about a switch or something like that. Sure. And so the types of fire features around the pool, obviously the fire pit. Yes. And then you've got, I think we're seeing more and more fire features putting close to the pool so you can get that reflective feature from it. And then the walk pots, 
There's quite a sunken fire pit inside the pool. There's lots of ways now that we're introducing fire in and around these projects. That's pretty awesome. So the line burner, which is where you have a line of fire, Mm -hmm. is being used more and more to get that reflection effect done. I've had requests on fire going up and down walls. And how do you do that? And there are some different ways to do that, which can be really cool. But these are all things that you have to think about. And again, it helps to communicate if you have a photograph of something that you have in mind in the direction that you want to go. So that covers everything. That begins. Quite a bit on fire. It begins, for sure. That begins it. But we were talking about other features too today. Do we want to talk about the other features and then come back to design? Just the styles of things and end with that? or So styles of pools. So I saw on Instagram a week ago or two, and it was a Grecian style pool. And it was a new pool just finished. And I thought, man, that thing looks good. And who's building Grecian pools? Not too many people right now. Okay. So when I got into the industry, there were several traditional shaped pools. There was a Grecian and mm-hmm. there was a Roman. So what's your definition of what a Grecian pool is? A Grecian style pool is going to have radiuses on both long ends and some scallops on the corners. Okay. So in California, we call that a Roman. Ah, okay. Well, that's California. Yeah. What do you know? A Grecian what we called a Grecian, it was flat on the ends mm. with scallops on the corners. But the Roman had the curved radiuses on the ends. Makes sense, actually. But again, if you are trying to, those are both very traditional, mm-hmm. very symmetrically shaped structures. So usually the features that go around that would follow those symmetry and straight lines, sight lines and things like that. So. Sure. And you, with the decking, you can play with all the, all those radiuses and stuff. With both those pools, we're talking consistent radiuses and straight lines, which... No I, squiggly line, freeform no, stuff. No amoebas, no freeform stuff. That seemed to have gone the byway quite a long time ago. Although I am seeing freeform pools with consistent radiuses, but I call them linear. I call them geometric curves. Geometric, and I call them curvilinear. Curvilinear. Okay. Again, something that's a little bit more clean and tailored. Mm. Everything's a very distinctive radius. That radius plays off of multiple things probably. So it's not just a random curve in the overall thing. So you can have something that's not straight line, but still clean line. Well, what's interesting about that is over the years, I've had questions or I'd be talking to a potential new client and we're talking about shapes and different features and stuff. And they'll say something on the order of, we just want a rectangular pool because that's going to be easier to build. So the mindset is if the pool looks simple, it should be simpler to build. You want to go ahead and comment on that? There's a couple of things that come into play. One thing, and again, this will change depending on market, but a lot of costs are driven by what's called the perimeter of the pool, the distance around the pool. And so curves you don't have corners so therefore you have less ins and outs and so you could have a curved pool and i used to tell people i had an example i can do a rectangular pool that's a 14 by no the exercise it was an 80 perimeter pool if i did a rectangle it was under 400 square Mm -hmm. feet if i did an oval it was over 600 square feet yep and the price of those pools are the same 
So it didn't have anything to do with the volume of the pool. It had to do with the distance around. Mm -hmm. And so curves are much easier to build because if something's off slightly, you're generally not going to see it. So versus if you're dealing in straight lines and everything has to line up with each other and you get a line that's off slightly, it's clearly obvious, especially when you do that drone picture at the end. But you that know, takes more precision for sure. There's more precision to it. So a perimeter overflow pool is probably one of the most simple looking pools that there is. And it's probably one of the most complex things to build out there. Oh, for sure. Very complex. Simple in appearance doesn't necessarily mean simple in application. You have very symmetrical shapes. It could be just a simple rectangle. It could be a Roman. It could be a Grecian. You have curves that you've brought in that are geometric. Okay. What'd you call it? Curvilinear. Curvilinear. Or I call them geometric curves. You could have, I do a lot of projects that I combine geometric curves with straight lines as well. But this would be more an ASIM design than a symmetrical design. Mm -hmm. So, and then you would maybe go to a modern. So what would you describe as a modern shaped pool? I think modern pretty much is going to play off modern architecture, which okay. is typically pretty clean and straight. Okay. So I mean, this it happens to be a kind of architecture I love is I really like that very modern look, but I like them all. So would you say that a perfect rectangle is a modern pool? Could be it if could the be. space fits yeah. that, yeah. but then could you have a pool that's got a angle on it and the features are asymmetrical? Could that be modern as well? Yes. Okay. So as long as it plays off the architecture. And I almost feel like the architecture of the house screams at me as to what should go in the backyard. I have to get off the fact of I'll come to a house and my protocol has always been, okay, if I lived here and I was working with this amount of money, what would I do? That's how I've looked at every single project I've ever done. And typically, unless the homeowner is very specific about what they want, they'd like that. Today. If you, yeah, today. If you lived here, what would you do? Of course, now I'm having to come up with all the ideas and stuff. So you've got to take a balanced approach to that process of discovery so that you're not over-empowering them with what it is that you want, but you're getting to them what they want. Or somewhere in between. If you've never bought a pool before, then you probably don't have a clue what you want. You might have an idea. I want water in the backyard type thing, but you need somebody to guide you through this. My opinion, and I think I'm just going to say this probably differently, but I, I disagree. Your perspective. My perspective is a little different. So my feeling is everybody has an idea, mm -hmm. but nobody knows how to express that that's idea. Fair. That's fair. Okay. That's so totally right. the fun of my job is exploring the process with them and to come up with, because when you pull the 3D up and they're like, oh my gosh, that's it. That's amazing. And it's nothing what they've described, but you asked questions. And so you understood and you have to understand their priorities and focal points and architecture and what they want to play off of. But when you roll that out, a lot of times it's not a shape that's ever been done. It's not something they've seen in a photograph but you understood where they're trying to be and then you gave them that. That's what they were looking for. They just couldn't put words into it. And sure. neither could you because it didn't exist before. Right. That's the fun of the whole thing. I think so. And, I, and like you, I don't like ever doing the same pool more than once. Yeah. So if I had to do rectangles all the time, I would probably not 
enjoy my job as much as, but again, I'm a different bird. So there's other people that do rectangular shaped pools that create beautiful stuff all the time. So I know people that do one plan almost all the time and people that maybe do, they've got two or three go-tos, but it's the same thing. And the design program makes this really easy, but I don't think it's a very custom. I don't think you're connected that well. And with the amount of money that this is involving, I just really feel like there needs to be a process. So the other thing is I've been at this long enough that I've seen the pendulum swing. So when I first got into the industry, everything was very traditional. And then it went very organic. Very. And then it's gone modern. And I'm seeing the extreme modern camp swinging again, and it's going in different directions. And so there was a point that I didn't do any freeform pools at all one year, mm-hmm. which I was very surprised that I didn't realize until I went back and looked at the end of the year. But I'm doing a lot of freeform, not a lot. I'm doing more freeform and more organic again. But when you're talking about modern or traditional or clean lines, there's no like boulders on the edge of those pools. Right. Yeah. So when I say organic is when the boulders come back. And some people, I find, aren't looking for something that matches their home. They want to escape and go somewhere else. And that's what they want to think of when they're in their backyard. Oh, for sure. It's definitely different and requires a lot of questioning and communication. I think your explanation is really good. The fun of it is pools hold water in whatever shape you make. That is a fact. And so hopefully hopefully it holds the water. So there's endless things that could be done. And I'm sure in 20 years, we're going to be sitting there and be like, wow, never thought of anything like that. Sure. Oh, no. You just said there's something new that somebody saw that they wanted to incorporate into their next project. Yeah. There's, this is what's exciting to me right now in our industry is this precipice that we are on, which in my opinion is we've got this whole new group of young guys that a lot of them are more skilled than what you and I were skilled at. Well, I wasn't skilled at all in computer-aided drafting or any of that stuff. Oh, I'm not skilled yet. (laughs) Okay. But now I'm fairly proficient with our industry design software, but these new people have skills that we don't have. They're just able to just come up with crazy stuff. And I love it. Love seeing all the young guys out there doing this stuff. Don't forget the girls. Yes. I, I apologize for that. Remember, I'm not saying pool guys and pool girls anymore. So I'm excited about all the new pool professionals in the industry that are looking to get educated, that are participating and getting it done. Great job out there. And sometimes we've done things, we talk about, oh, we're custom. I had somebody the other day that said, what about this? And I was like, I've never thought about that. He's like, how come? And I'm like, I don't know. It just hadn't come up. And it was one of those things which... I'll probably bring to the table later on and give them credit for. But it was just like, wow, how come we haven't done that? That's pretty cool. Well, and I think it brings up the point of just because it can be designed and it doesn't necessarily mean that it can be built. And that's the rub is it's great seeing all these ideas. Some of them are executable and some just aren't. But that's part of, I think, stimulating the creative process is we need new ideas. We need other people out there coming up with new things and just keep the trajectory going forward. So that is one thing to understand as a consumer, as you look at photographs and say, oh, that's really cool. I want this type of feature. Pieces of presentation that are out there today, the cover of Luxury Pools 
not this episode that just came out, but the previous one, people were saying, well, that's a really cool slide. The whole cover was done through graphics. It was not a photograph at all. There may be things that you think that you want on a swimming pool that are like, hey, I want something like this. As Kevin said, it's not possible to build it yet. It may be something that's possible in the future, and it may be something that requires work, but there are people that do graphic presentations that it's like, we're going to have to modify this. And so understand that that modification is not going to look exactly like this, but maybe I can get you close to it. And to your point, the graphics and the artwork that are now available, sometimes it is hard to tell whether or not, is that real? Yes, it's pretty amazing. Or is that Memorex? Is that what they used to say? A long time ago. Yeah, a long time ago. We're old boys. One other thing that comes into play that I think a lot with the overall beauty of a project is the materials that are going to get used. Here's a question for you, Mike. I think it's important for people to understand different levels of plans. And something that I've been doing for quite a few years, I know you've been doing as well as master plans. And so you talk to our audience a little bit about what that looks like to you. So my background, and it doesn't require my background, but my background is I do have a degree in landscape architecture. So when I look at the project, I look at the project as a whole, not just a portion. So what I want to understand is everything that you're going to do in the backyard. I want to understand if there's going to be a sports court or pick a wall court or basketball court. I want to understand if we're going to be storing a boat in the backyard, if we're going to have racks of firewood that we have to deal with. We've got a generator that may be being added. We've got to look at a garden space that's going to occur. I need to understand all the components of your backyard so I can plug all those things into the whole project. The other thing that comes into play is once we develop everything, we have all the puzzle pieces in the right place, you can take different pieces and add them at different times. So you have a master plan by which you can add to, we're going to only deal with the pool portion right now, or maybe we're going to deal with the outdoor living and the kitchen portion first, and the pool area is just going to say grass. And that may happen for a couple of years, and then we're going to come in and add things later on. So you want to try to think things through to some extent. Also, they started a project for me today. Part two is the cabana. It's not coming at this phase, but what I'm doing is I'm running the gas and electric out to that space so I don't have to tear everything up later on to come in and add the outdoor kitchen and the lights for the cabana and all the things that are going to be out in that space. So when you have a master plan, you can plan so all the you don't tear one thing up to do the next thing so the pieces fit together. It's like a roadmap of processes and things to do in a specific order because a lot of people, I mean, myself included, maybe you, can't afford to do everything all at once. So sometimes we got to break it up into smaller pieces so that we can get to the end goal. Sure. And it might take a couple of years. Yeah. I've had clients that have taken 10 years to develop a piece of property and do all the different phases that they wanted to do. And sometimes... That's if you don't think everything through, then you're going to usually tear things up and have to replace things. So there's going to be more cost involved in that process. So a master plan helps you think about all the pieces that go together. So if you're going to develop an entire property, master plan probably makes some sort of sense. But at the end of the day, if somebody's just looking for a basic pool, you're not doing a master plan. We're talking a little bit about 
hiring a designer. So I'm assuming that a designer just doing a basic pool versus a designer that's doing a master plan, you're going to have different levels of plans and designs and costs associated with developing this stuff. Sure. So you might have an initial pool plan and then there might be a hardscape plan, which is all the patios and retaining walls and everything that's needed. You might have a cabana plan. Then on top of all that, you might have an outdoor lighting plan. There might be a landscape plan. So there could be several different layers of expertise that you may be providing or you may be collaborating with different people to provide all those different levels. Because you're sourcing maybe some of that out as well because we know everybody. It could even be another layer that's important real today is audio. Oh, for sure. So I want to set it up so I've got speakers all around the yard and that type of situation. There's lots of layers to this situation and it depends on sometimes your person that you're working for or with doesn't have all those levels of experience. And so they may have someone that they can refer you to or somebody that's been doing it for a long time may have experience in all those things. And so it's a more seamless situation. What you're hiring a lot of time is experience. And so the people that have the experience are going to make the process easier. So I think some people might get hung up on the fact that I can have six other people come out here and they'll do plans for me. And now you're charging for plans. Like the lighting and all those different things? No, what I'm saying is that I've talked to people and they don't see any value in hiring anybody to do a set of plans for them because they think that I'll just have six or seven different companies come out and they'll all do a plan for me. And they're all going to do it for free. And I think part of the message we're trying to get across to people is there's a massive difference between getting a free pool design and getting a master plan and somebody that's working with you from start to finish. Right. The other thing is there's no way that anybody's going to come out and do all those layers for free. So you might be able to bring somebody out from every different trade and give you something for free, but then... Not necessarily all the pieces go together either. And then you get to figure out what those pieces are and versus just hiring somebody. You would hire an architect. You might hire an interior designer. You might hire any number of different trades to perform a specific function for you. In this case, we're talking about a master plan or we're talking about a set of plans for a pool. Does it make sense to pay somebody? And I'm saying it does. I believe you're saying the same thing. Sure. So I have question that comes up a lot of times is, can a landscape architect do all this for me? Great question. Or an architect. Or the house architect. Sometimes now the interior designer wants to it's true. develop the space. The interior designers are getting more and more involved because now, as we've talked about on a previous episode, the indoor space is being brought into the outdoors, brought into the indoors. And so now the interior designers have gotten involved, which is great. I, I enjoy working with them. I don't have a problem with working with them. But they're not pool designers. Right. As they all have expertise, I don't claim to understand a lot of things that they're doing in the home. I'm not going to get into their kitchen design inside the house or respectively. Anyway, so I think when you have a very complicated project, if you have a team that is collaborating together, an architect, an interior designer, a landscape architect, a pool designer, I think that all those people can bring together a better whole than 
not. And I think another reason why that's important is the timing. I've found out a couple times this year, in fact, I was talking to one of my builders that I work with, and in the past, they have typically brought in the pool guy way at the end. The house is already under construction, and the homeowners were busy focusing on other things, but I think we've got this turned around to where we're going to be able to get involved much sooner because I know for a fact we can save people money if we get involved sooner because they just don't think of some things. And that's what we do. Right. All right, everybody, that is it for today. But there's so much information on here to share that we're going to have a part two to this. So we'll see you next time. This show is all about helping you become a better buyer, a better pool owner. And hopefully you're going to find some insights into how to enjoy your pool even more so, how to help your friends, your family, anybody looking to buy a pool in the future or that want to remodel their backyard, add an outdoor fireplace, fire pit, add an outdoor kitchen area, add some shade cells or whatever else it is. We want to be that resource for you. And that's the end goal here. And we promise that there's going to be a ton of information. We'll try to go through it, you know, as relatively quickly, but also slow so people can understand. But the intent of the show, the reason Mike and I are doing this is because we just got a lot in our heads and we want to share it. So we hope to see you here every single week. Thanks for listening.